Jesus chooses to have his last meal with some people who will doubt him, deny him, and ultimately betray him. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon, and we are pastors here in Santa Cruz, California at Gospel Community Church. Welcome, like, subscribe, comment, get the word out there, because we desperately need a million likes on this video. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable goal. Yeah, reasonable. Um, Good. Well, we are in the longest of the Gospels. The longest. This is the last one, though, right? Last video. Last video, uh, or... Or audio recording. Or audio or recording. Whatever, you, whatever you're on. Yeah, whatever of, um, of the Gospel of Luke. So uh, now, question, what would be your last meal? My last meal? Mm. I mean, most likely it'll be like pudding or something because you'll pudding. be super old. Whoa. What in the world? No, crazy. Who would do such a thing? Someone from the United States. Is what yeah, I'm you're a popular guy. Yeah, you know. Um, my last meal? Uh, probably some like perfectly done um, brisket. Oh. Smoked brisket. That sounds great. Yeah. Maybe some, some, you know, barbecue sides, whatever. Yeah. My last meal would be to take your last meal. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah. That'd be a pretty good one. Yeah, fair. Um, so we are in the section of the Gospel of Luke. We're at the very end. So we've seen his journey to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, the big, big middle chunk of the Gospel. And mm-hmm. a lot of the unique material from the Gospel of Luke is there. And now we're at the tail end. We're going to see a little bit of his Jerusalem ministry. And then we're going to see the Passion. So it's the leading up to his death. We see a lot of the same things we saw in Matthew and Mark, of course. We see the, the conflict with the religious leaders that's yep. building in chapter 20. Um, and so we're going to get, yeah, we're going to get to the very end. And, um, and like, again, as we said, as we've been going through these Gospels, we've been trying to focus on what's unique to each Gospel. Mm-hmm. So if we haven't hit on something and you're frustrated with us, I am so not concerned. I, I couldn't care less. You can email Brandon. How you feel? Yeah. No, I don't care. I don't, I don't yeah. want to hear. It. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of course, but that's not the point of these videos. We're trying to give you an overview and some of the the highlights. And really, I want to strengthen your understanding of what is important about these books, why they were written, what's unique about them, so that you are equipped, as we say every week, to know God's word better. Yeah. So let's just jump in. We'll hit on a couple of things we haven't touched on and uh, should be good. So chapter 20, like I said, we see the rising tension. We see again this this fight between the religious leaders and Jesus and the same... The same conflicts we've seen in the other Gospels. Jesus does not make friends. I mean, that's similar with all the Gospels, right? As, yeah. As it gets later to the end of it, his enemies get a little more bold. And, yeah, there's a lot know. of public conflict, and they're yeah. trying to catch him in the air. All by God's plan. They're terrible at it. They're really, they are very terrible. They're really stupid. Well, I mean, if you try to win arguments against God, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bad idea. Just, yeah, yeah don't get into a fight with God. But let's, I, I want to just look really quickly at this. It's only a couple of verses, and it's in the Gospel of Mark too. In Mark chapter twelve, but mm-hmm. this the widow's mite, as mm-hmm. it's often called. I know that's a kind of an old King James translation, but the the widow's offering this this old lady who well I don't know if she's old, but she doesn't have a husband, mm-hmm. and so she's destitute, and she gives her last coins as an offering. Now, growing up, I only ever heard this sermon preached, and it was preached a lot. Like for the for <laughs> how important it is in the gospel, it was preached quite a bit, and it was almost always preached in the sense of. You should give like this woman is awesome for giving this, and you should also give, you know, your last two coins to to the Lord, you know, which I think there's some truth to that. Um, giving to God is never going to disappoint, ultimately speaking. Mm-hmm. But I think that's missing kind of the point of this, because 
okay, the context is Jesus is fighting with these religious leaders. Right. And he's, he's saying to them why they're wrong. They're trying to get him. They, mm-hmm. They're showing their heart. And, um, and Jesus is confronting them. And then he says at the end of chapter 20, so remember, th- these chapter divisions are added later. There's nothing inspired to them. And they often will break things up in a way where, you know, maybe you read one chapter a day because that's what the reading plan is. So you end that chapter and you start a new chapter and you don't consider what came before. Right, yeah. So you just read this and go, oh, woman gave an offering. That's great. Mm -hmm. No, it's connected directly back to the verses before it. So listen to this. So as he's fighting against these leaders, Mm -hmm. he says in chapter 20, verse 45, uh, or verse 46, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces, in the best seats, in the synagogues, in the places of honor at feasts. So they use religion for their own profit. Yeah, they're always telling people to like their videos mm-hmm. on on yep. YouTube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, there, there might be some parallel there in terms of social media and stuff. But yeah, fair. You know, and then it says verse forty-seven: "Who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers." they will receive the greater condemnation. Mm. So he ends with speaking about their prayers and their devouring of widows' houses. Mm. And then the next verse, he's, or next no, two verses later, he sees a <laughs> widow. Yeah. Is there no connection here? Is it totally divorced? He's talking about how they abuse the, the poor, how they, they make themselves rich. Mm-hmm. This is all like Ezekiel. Remember Ezekiel 34? Yeah. That the shepherds of Israel who fleece the flock, who, t- who eat the, the, the weak instead of helping them. Right. Now he's speaking to them and saying, you do the same thing with widows. Mm. And then he looks up. So it's meant to be connected, right? Jesus looked up. After he says this, he looks up and he sees a woman giving her last couple of coins. It says everything she had to live on. Right? So he, he says this. He says, verse 3, I tell you this, wi- poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Hmm. He doesn't commend that action. Yeah. Again, I think there's something commendable to it, of in the sense of if you're giving the right heart, God honors that and God rewards that eternally. But I think the point he's making here, in light of the context, is this is a sign of the abuse of the system of that day. Yeah. That the rich are giving, but they're not really giving. Mm-hmm. They're actually benefiting off the back of the poor. Right. And so. And Jesus is using this as another way to attack the religious leaders and to demonstrate the the horrors of what they're doing yeah. to the people. That's so good. So yeah, so I I mean, I guess I'm not preaching the sermon here, but I think there's a good application in sense of how we view authority and power and how we the offerings that's to the temple and the offerings to the church are supposed to be meant to help those in need. Mm-hmm. Right. The primary thing would be the giving of the gospel. So that is the primary work of the church. But man, I don't want someone to be killing themselves mm-hmm. uh, and not being able to feed their kids over their giving to the church. I want to be supplying that need for a season if they right. need it. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, Lord willing, they are able to give because you always want to be contributing to the, to the work of the kingdom. But right. anyway, just an interesting, I think note there. No, that's I think, important I think, to distinguish. Yeah. I think that's great stuff. It allows us to examine a text and 
you know, we're not just teaching you what a specific set of verses says, but we're teaching you how to read the Bible too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was a great point about chapter chapter separations. Like, let's read the whole context of where we're at in the story. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And and don't read something in necessarily if that's not what Jesus is saying. Yeah. Because he, exactly. he praises he praises a lot of times in the gospel, mm-hmm. right? He praises Zacchaeus. He praises the centurion. He praises the Samaritan mm-hmm. leper who comes back. Like he he's openly praising them, but here he's just stating a fact. Right. And we have to determine it was what he's saying. Is that a good thing? And in context, no. Mm-hmm. So um, chapter 22, let's look at chapter 22. So we see the Passover again, right? Jesus betraying Jesus, the Passover with the disciples. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we haven't, we've looked at certain aspects of the Passover. We haven't looked at it in too much detail. We'll look at it a little more in the Gospel of John. But so he's eating with his disciples and it's noticeable what he says. So he he gives them the, the cup, obviously, and the bread. But he says, look at verse 18. So for I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said to them, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they'd eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant mm-hmm. in my blood. So the, a lot of this is kind of repeated, not verbatim necessarily, but a, some of it is repeated verbatim in First yeah. uh, Corinthians eleven, yeah. which we read, you know, for communion every week. Um, but that new covenant language is is incredible because it shows that he's self consciously fulfilling the Old Testament covenants. Which again, if you've gone through the Old Testament videos, you'll you'll know what we're talking about. Exactly, yeah. um, these the, the the you know Noahic covenant, the the Mosaic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, those were in order. But, you know, these covenants that spoke to different aspects of God's plan, mm-hmm. Jesus is fulfilling all of those. And, of course, he's self-consciously fulfilling the new covenant promises from Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, right, mm-hmm. to, to say, I'm doing what was promised in the Old Testament. Right. So Jesus is intentional about this. He understands it. And, of course, he's sort of co-opting the, the picture of the Passover. Mm-hmm. This, this picture of God's deliverance, the salvation story of the Old Testament, right. he's now saying that's going to be fulfilled through me, right. through my sacrifice. I am that Passover lamb, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be the way of God's uh, true spiritual exodus is going yep. to come through me. Yeah, my blood was spilt to cover iniquity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So this is why we do, I mean, so we do communion every week for us personally as a church, not because we think you necessarily have to, but man, what, a, what an important thing to remember to every week meditate on the uh, the gift of Jesus, the sacrifice for his sins. I mean, this is what feeds us spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, chapter 22, at, at kind of toward the end, he's in, the, he's in the, uh, the Olive Garden. I love Olive Garden. No, I don't. My, my wife does, though. <laughs> I, th- I think it's overpriced. Um, yes, it, it absolutely is overpriced. There's no way you can argue with that. I mean, you're just paying for water and carbs and, like, you pay... <laughs> Like thirty, it's crazy. Anyway, not not the point. If it's like meat, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, but if you compare dollar for dollar, a pound of Costco pizza or whatever, Mm. what what you can get, what you can get for the greatest value on planet Earth. Yes, that's a good point. Thirty thirty dollars at Costco, you can feed an entire small nation. Yeah, right. You could. Um, Yeah, and at Olive Garden, you can get like a kind of an okay meal. But the Olive Garden is not that. Um, it's the Mount of Olives, right? Gethsemane. But it's interesting because we've seen a little bit of this focus of Luke on the humanity of Jesus. We saw the the genealogy. We saw 
um, you know, uh, his, his like as a doctor, his emphasis on human aspects. We see some of that here. So we see he's praying with his disciples and he's saying, verse 42, Father, if you're willing to remove this cup from me, or if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, mm-hmm. but yours be done. And so there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. So God is, is giving him the, the, the physical, emotional strength to follow through on this. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So it's not totally clear if it's like there's some sort of metaphor there mm-hmm. that his, his sweat was like great drops of blood mm-hmm. or if he's actually sweating blood. So a lot of people think that he's actually sweating blood. There's some sort of physical condition that he has and that's that ha- it can happen. Mm-hmm. I, I've never never done it, but I mean, never done I've, it, never I've heard. It. I've heard it can. So in, no. incredible agony and stress that he's going through here, hmm. which Luke is observing. But he's... Giving, he's praying to God. He's doing what he's called to do. He's being the true priest, right? And there's, I just think there's, there's important to note that parallel to Adam. Mm. You know, as Luke has traced him all the way back to Adam, the Son of God. Now Jesus is in the same place as Adam. He's being tempted in the garden to abandon his mission, and he's praying to God for strength. And he's going to follow through on what Adam didn't do. Right. So you have an obedient servant, mm-hmm. an obedient priest, instead of Adam, who was the disobedient priest, right. who who you know rebelled against God and and ruined everything. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is now standing in that place, and he's doing what God calls him to do. He's passing the test. Yeah, Amen. So and then of course his disciples are they reflect the um, they reflect Adam more so because they're falling asleep. But I know, man, we got like Peter's denial. We got everyone running. We got. Obviously, Judas is a big, yeah. big betrayer, you know. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, then we see, of course, the arrest um, and the trials. And I don't think I don't think we've talked much about Pilate. No, none uh, of these. So, no. chapter twenty-three. Yeah, who is Pilate? So they come before Pilate. So Pilate is the governor um, of that region. It's mm-hmm. kind of hard to understand because there's like Herod who kind of is ruling the region, and then Pilate. So they did have, kind of have different areas of oversight. It goes back to the history of. Well, it's it's too complicated, but essentially they put sort of a local ruler and then they had the government representative from the empire. Yeah, and Herod's the easiest way to think about it. In his history, he's had some bad run-ins with the Jewish people, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, Herod killed some of you. I mean, <laughs> well, it's a different Herod at this point. Again, confusing. They're all just called Herod. There's like right. four Herods in the New Testament or something. Well, I guess it's Pilate had some run-ins with the Jews. Pilate's had, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. in terms of focusing on Pilate, yeah, Pilate had some runs with the Jews. So, um, uh, you, you 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 preached on this, I think, quite a bit, but so, yeah. so so maybe you have some of this. But uh, you know, the kind of the big thing was there was a few different instances where you know Pilate was put into power, and basically immediately when he came into power, he offended the Jews by having the symbol of exactly. the Roman emperor. Yeah, he would parade you know the symbol of the Roman emperor around you know their area, and just a total slap in the face against the yeah. Jews. And, and so uh, they're like pretty much. You know, hey, we this is an offense to us. It's not okay. And he's like, "Well, I'll kill you." And they're like, "Yeah, all right." Like, <laughs> you know, get my neck ready if you yeah. chop my head off. And so he had to back down. And then there was a you know a riot. And so with all of these things that were happening, and, and he really kind of lost control. Exactly. Of um, which in turn would lead to like he, he would be a bad representative for his government, right? So, yeah. So uh, he's a, he's a he's a government official who came into power and immediately like 
failed at everything and lost control. It reminds me yeah. of someone. Yeah. Um, mm. can't, I don't, I can't think of who it is, but, um, uh, yeah, but anyway, so he, he fails all these things. And so he's in this place where his position is really insecure, right? So when a politician gets that place, they're going to kind of do anything they can to get favor yeah. from the right people. And so it makes sense. I'll, I'll have to say it makes sense why they approach him in this way in verse two. So the religious leaders approach Pilate trying to kill Jesus mm-hmm. and they began to accuse him saying, this is chapter 23, verse two, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Right. Ooh, that's, that's smart, right? So he's manipulating our nation. Right. He won't let us pay taxes to Caesar. Oh, red flag for Pilate, right? Both of those. Mm-hmm. And then he also is claiming to be a king. Right. So another, another sort of insurrection is happening under Pilate's watch. Mm-hmm. There's a threat to this. So they know how to play Pilate. Right. And Pilate, I mean, he's just so clear he's insecure. Right. The whole episode, he's he's saying that Jesus is innocent, is but he won't do so. the right thing. Yeah, exactly. So he's not really in power. He's 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 weak and insecure and mm-hmm. fearful. And so he's going to do one of the greatest crimes in history, which is to kill Jesus. Tries to like wipe his hands clean of this. But of no. course, he he bears some no, blame. He, of course, he has the power to like deny the Jews that right. You know, yeah, they still have another way, and God's wanted that to happen anyway. But yeah, yeah. So in verse in verse five, he or verse four, sorry, four, yeah, he says, guilt. "I find no guilt in this man." <clears throat> yeah. um, so and then they kept saying like he's stirring up all the people. So they're trying to get like, hey, there's going to be you know a riot, a mm-hmm. pe- rebellion, something like that. So you got to punish him. But Pilate again says in uh, in verse 14. twelve. Oh, 12. Right, that. Uh, oh, sorry. Verse in verse fourteen. You're right. Yeah, it says that um, I find no guilt in this man. I didn't find this man guilty of any charges against him. <laughs> so he keeps saying the same thing, and then he tries to do the whole Barnabas or not Barnabas, Barabbas. Yeah, you know, uh, switcheroo sort of thing. Like, hey, which one do you want let free? They demand Barabbas, and his response is why, what evil has he done? Jesus, I have found in him no guilt deserving of death. Mm-hmm. I will time. therefore punish and release him. So he keeps, he keeps saying he's not guilty, but I'm going to punish him, which is yeah. kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> like, wait, he's not guilty. He's not guilty. <laughs> um, but he keeps saying he doesn't deserve death. He's not guilty. And then he delivers him. Mm-hmm. I did think it was funny, you know, going back to verse 12. I did think it was funny that it says essentially Herod and Pilate had been at odds. And then this instance of both putting Jesus on trial made them friends. I think that's a really interesting oh. thing. And you see it actually, sorry, it's a little tangent, but you see it a little bit with the Sadducees, Pharisees, Herodians, all uh, these yeah. different groups yeah. who hate each other. And you'll see them at certain times in the Gospels coming together right, to, to attack. attack Jesus or accuse him or hmm. like they actually become in some sense allies. Yeah, And so there's just a good reminder of that sinful humans are united, if in nothing else, they're often united in their hatred of God, of yeah. God and His yeah. rule. Yeah, and so interesting point. You no, know, just interesting observation, yeah. I think. But and so uh, he's he's crucified, of course. Mm-hmm. And one of the unique things we see in Luke's account of the crucifixion is the the thief on the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thief on the cross, the thieves on the cross are not unique to the gospel. We see that in I believe Mark, these two thieves hanging on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, it's observed at least in one of their gospel, but it, what is unique is this repentance of the thief on the cross. Right. So verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged 
railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. <laughs> he's mocking him. He's saying, I don't think this is, we see from other gospels, he's, he's, he's mocking him. Right. That's the idea here. But the other, verse 40, rebuked him saying, do you not fear God mm-hmm. since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So he's he's admitting his his fault. Mm-hmm. He's correcting, you know, his his friend or his his colleague, whatever, who is sinning against God, and he is reaching out in faith. Mm-hmm. He believes Jesus is the King. He believes that in some in some way Jesus will come into his kingdom. Right. It's a pretty amazing statement of faith. Well, it reminds me of the, what the tax collector said. You know, I'm you know. Wretched, have mercy on me, you know, yeah. sinner. You know, it's like that's what he's doing right here. Yeah, remember me. No. Um, is there, you know, any grace here? And Jesus' response is amazing. Right, verse forty-three. He said, "To truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, mm. not Abraham's bosom, <laughs> paradise." <laughs> um, so, so the, the the true man, right? The true Adam is winning back Eden, mm-hmm. paradise. Yeah, and. He's he's making a home for people like this, right? Again, yep. this is in a gospel that is so focused on the outcasts. Mm-hmm. What greater outcast is there than this? Someone who's condemned to death, crucified. Right. And yet Jesus identifies with him. He is in the place of a criminal on the cross, mm-hmm. taking a criminal's death, even though he doesn't, doesn't deserve it, so he can save a man who does deserve it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, what better picture can we have of what the atonement is all about? Right, Christ's substitution for us. He substitutes for Barabbas, as we saw in the Gospel of Matthew, and here, in a sense, for the the, the, the thief on the cross. So, mm. amazing, amazing story, and gives us again a lot of hope. Let's look a little bit at the resurrection account. So, in chapter chapter twenty four, we see the resurrection, of course. But again, a unique story here is this road to Emmaus account. Mm-hmm. Um, gotten a lot of focus, I feel like recently. It is such an important account. What happens here is Jesus appears to two of his disciples. So we can kind of look at this in more detail here. So Jesus has risen from the dead. The women have come and told the disciples, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. But none of the the male disciples have seen it. They don't Mm -hmm. know what to believe, what to think. You know, but they've seen the empty tomb. And so there's just confusion. They don't know what's going on. So Jesus appears to two of his disciples who are walking. We don't know um, you know, much about these two, but he's they're walking toward, uh, toward a village named Emmaus, and they're discussing things together, and Jesus comes and starts walking with them, and he starts asking them questions. <laughs> and it says, because he's like, wait, why don't they know who he is? It says in verse 20, or verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Mm-hmm. So they're they veiled in some sense. And he said to them, verse 17, what is this conversation that you are holding? Um, and they, they were sad and they said, you know, verse 18, are you the only visitor who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? <laughs> Which is so ironic because he's the only person who knows what's really <laughs> happened. Everyone else is stupid. Um, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. So they began to tell him what happened to Jesus and what they had heard about the resurrection. And Jesus' response is great. He says in verse 25, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hmm. So it's, it's necessary. That word in Greek uh, is, is pretty prominent in the Gospel of Luke, necessary, day, right. day. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, but day. And it, it, so here he's saying it's necessary that Christ should suffer in this way. But then he gives in one one verse here sort of an Old Testament hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big word if not everyone knows it, but a, a way to interpret the Old Testament, way to think of the Old Testament. That's so helpful hmm. that he interpreted, right, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Hmm. So going back to the very beginning, and really it's, it's a comprehensive language. Right. All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So that gives us this idea, this this perception, which I mean shapes how we did our understanding of the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. How we did last year the entire Old Testament. That in every area of Scripture, in every Old Testament passage, it's pointing ultimately to the truth of Jesus. Right. There's what we might call a gospel connection. It points mm-hmm. us to the ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. Right. And so he's going back to them, and and man, I've heard it said many times, and I feel the same way. What, wouldn't it be amazing to be able to be there for that? Yeah. <laughs> to, to witness, I don't know how long the conversation was, but Jesus <laughs> is going back through saying, this is where it speaks of me. This is where there was something I had to fulfill. Mm. Like this image is something that pointed to the reality of who I was going to be. Mm. And so he lays these things out for them and opens their eyes. And then, of course, he does this great last move where he sits down with them for dinner and <laughs> breaks the bread. And all of a sudden... He disappears, and, yeah. and their minds are open. They're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was Jesus. I thought I had a heartburn, <laughs> but it was Jesus. So um, re- just really fascinating and very, very important for us to understand how we should see the Old Testament. Old Testament is not, it's not like there's a bunch of moral commands, you know, stripped down from any sort of significance, and then Jesus arrives in the scene, right? and he fulfills the moral commands. It's much more than that. It's a story that unfolds that throughout there's a tension being built, a need for Jesus. Right. And so different uh, characters and different images point to who he has to be. Yeah. And yeah, if you haven't listened to last year's uh, Old Testament... Uh, are you even are you even a Christian if you haven't yeah, listened exactly, to it? Exactly, exactly. I, <laughs> I think it's great because yeah. we, we do make, make that clear that like Jesus isn't like explicitly in every passage, but through every you know part of the Old Testament, we can see the shadow of Jesus in some way. We can see a road to the gospel. So, Absolutely. No. Absolutely, yeah. And our goal la- last year was just to give you that big picture so you could kind of connect the dots and understand how to see Jesus, you know, because there's a, f- a false way to do that. Yeah. A lot of people hear that and go, what, you're saying like, just like shove Jesus into every passage? No, we want to understand it rightly and then see how it develops and is fulfilled in the New Testament. Right. And that takes, that's an art, so you have to learn that. But. Yeah, it's art, it takes wisdom, it takes God's illumination, but like, I mean, just like you said, you brought up verse 27 here. It's proof that it's actually a reality, you know? Yeah. So, so takeaway, I guess, is read the read the Bible, man. <laughs> read, read so the Bible. good, so yeah. good. I mean, we're going back to last week, you know, the the importance of Moses and the prophets, right? like that's meant to lead you to salvation. Mm-hmm. And then we hear here Jesus going back and, and un, unfolding all that's in Scripture. Right. There's a lot of wealth there. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. That actually concludes all the Synoptic Gospels. So next week we're going to start the Gospel of John, which is going to be awesome. Be um, yeah, and we actually preached 
all the way through John already at our church. So yeah. it'll be a fun time to dig into it even more here. And we'll start that next week. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you then.